Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball. 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it's the 4th of July. It's July 4th. 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm back in California. I'm in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, Dan Petrie, Jock Peterson. So much baseball emanates from Palo Alto, California, that you can almost call this the birthplace of baseball, which would be as accurate as calling Cooperstown, New York, the birthplace of baseball. This is episode number 1,350. Uh, My sentimental journey through the Northeast is over. Uh, There's a couple of evergreens you'll hear dropped here and there. I have a second part of my interview with Lisa Swan, where we sat on a bench outside of a bar in New York that I'm going to play. And I was actually originally going to play that today, but you know what? There's so much going on today, and there's so many things I kind of want to talk about that I I figured, you know what, we're going to do a brand new one here. So happy 4th of July, everyone. Uh, By the way, if you're into fireworks, you're an idiot. I've mentioned this before. I hate fireworks. You know, have a fireworks show where there's lots of th- explosions in the sky. Okay, that's fine. The kids love it. Uh, but if you're like, if you have what's essentially like a bomb or a stick of dynamite or something, and you're just blowing crap up, you're, you are a fool. Go to a field and do that. If, you know, when I'm lying in my bed trying to get some sleep at night, and I hear, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to get sleep. It sounds like the hurt locker outside. And is that really fun? I know I'm covering some old territory here, but I remember I was at a place where there was some kid with firecrackers. And he just had them in his hand and just throwing them on the ground. Bam! That, you know, yeah, for a second it went, bah! Oh, I better get another one. Bah! Well, these people get these like, oh, I went to the this store, I went to this place, we're going to blow stuff up. And for about a second it goes, bam! How fun is that? Seriously. Is it worth the risk of blowing your freaking finger off to see, hey, you know, why did you risk blowing your finger off? Well, for one second, it went bang. Seriously? Go do Find another way to express your freedom other than that. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm not a gun guy, but go to a shooting range if you are. Go barbecue. Go play baseball. Go play football. Go do something. Just don't. I, let's, let's stop the whole fireworks stuff hate it. Hate that stuff. I was trying to go to sleep last night here in Palo Alto. And I was like, bam, 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 bunch of crap. All right, let's get back to the point. The point is, we're, you know, it's that time of a year where I've always said you break the seasons down into thirds. The first third is from opening day to right around Memorial Day. That's the beginning of the year. Around Memorial Day, you kind of take stock of your teams. Okay, what are we? Are we contenders or not? Do we have holes to fill or not? Should we go for it? Are we a surprise team? Or are we a team that's a major disappointment that needs to make some major changes? Well, then you get to the end of July and the beginning of August, which is the trade deadline. At that point, you're two-thirds of the way through the season. Then you're facing the August-September stretch, and that's the difference between contenders and pretenders. And it's July 4th right now. And it's not that long 
until we get to the end of this month. I know we just started this month, but this month will fly by, especially when you consider there's going to be a three-day break in games in the middle of the month. This month will zoom past you. And what we're seeing is we're seeing that some teams, as Lisa Swan and I discussed in the conversation I posted yesterday, the Yankees should really make some moves. I mean, they could be blowing it a little bit because Carlos Beltran is starting to look like he may not be able to play the field. He may be a DH-only guy, which would mean the opportunity of trading him to teams that really could use another outfielder, like the San Francisco Giants, may not even be an option at this point. A team like the Cleveland Indians that could really use him may not be an option at this point. I really think the Yankees, who, as I'm recording this, are sub-500 in July. I know one game under 500, but do you know what? You're, you're in July and you're sub 500 and you have trade chips. They could get four really good players if they want to trade Wife Beater, Aroldis Chapman, Andrew Miller, Brian McCann, and Carlos Beltran. You could get four good players in there and put together a big contending team for 2017. But they better get on that. Um, the American League is, is taking shape where the A's, the Angels, the Rays, and the, the Twins are really out of it at this point. Breaks my heart because I would like to see the A's do well. And the Yankees aren't far behind from falling into that same group. I think you're going to see the Rays absolutely go around with so many teams in need of pitching and so few superstar pitchers. And I actually do not believe the Braves are going to trade Julio Turan because I think they think he could be a productive player in a couple of years. So the players on the Rays may be the best trade chips out there. And before you know it, the Rays, a team I picked to go to the postseason because I like their pitching, may be on the outside looking in and may put together a bunch of trade chips and be really good before you know it. Uh, the Angels are an absolute travesty. I mean, by the way, I got to just say this. Baseball is the greatest game of all for this reason. The Angels have been horrific. They have been grotesque. They have been absolutely terrible and have been absolutely terrible recently. When they got, when they pulled to within three games of 500, on May 23rd, like, oh, maybe things are starting to turn around. They had a winning streak not too long after that. The Angels have gone on to go 12-25. and 25. Only the Phillies, remember when the Phillies were good for about a minute? Only the Phillies have been worse than the Angels in that stretch. And they have just been really since, well, let's take since the beginning of June as an example, the Angels have been the worst team in baseball in their Last 30 games, they've lost 20 of them. Yet in the middle of that, they beat the tar out of my Red Sox 21 to 2. 21 to 2 in a stretch where, in a, what is this, in a stretch where they, <laughs> there's a period of time where the Angels went 2 and 11. One of those two wins. They lost 11 out of 13 games, and one of those two wins was a 21-2 pasting of my team. And what makes baseball so amazing is that the Red Sox could have a humiliating loss like that, I mean, a devastating loss like that, and yet they won the series. They won the first game 5-4, to four, lost the second game 21-2. to two. The very next day, dust yourself off. 
You got a game the next day to play, and then a wonderfully named pitcher named O'Sullivan beats the Angels 10 to 5. So in the end, yeah, they lost that game 21 to 2, but it also illustrates something that I really, really believe. You're better off losing 21 to 2, giving some of your players a, the rest of the night off. They gave Ortiz the rest of the night off. They gave Mark, uh, Hanley Ramirez the rest of the night off. They used, you know, Pat Light and Ryan Lamar and Robbie Ross. Everyone, everyone, everyone take the night off. It's better to lose like that than lose the way that the Blue Jays lost in 19 innings, 2-1, to one, where you run through your entire uh bullpen you drive your bullpen into the ground when you lose 21 to 2 you say ah you know i think they had our number i think that number was 21 when you lose 2 to 1 in 19 innings at home where you know one swing of the bat between innings 9 and 18 could win the game that's when you find the nearest portion of the wall and you smash your head against it but the interest I want, but you know, the American League will remain completely wide and open in the air because, as I said, there are really only a handful of teams in the AL who are falling out of it, and the Yankees are one losing streak away from joining them. Uh, and those teams should absolutely just ask for the sun, moon, and stars from the contenders out there. The National League is turning out to be almost exactly the way everyone on the planet predicted. You have the, the Nationals, the Cubs, and the Giants are all in first place. Uh, the Mets and the Dodgers are on the wild card spots. I mean, are they? Yeah, the, the wild card spots right now are the, the Mets and the Dodgers. The Cardinals are on the outside looking in, uh, but only a game out. The Marlins are, on the out, are only a game and a half out. And the Pirates, who I picked to win the division, I thought they were going to have a great year, are at break-even 500, which is amazing when you think about how what a terrible year they've had so far, that they can get to this point, be at 500, and, at, and really at this point be only four games out of the loss column from a playoff spot. And you remember the Dodgers are going to lose Clayton Kershaw. The Mets are completely unpredictable. The Marlins may be overachieving, and the Cardinals have been hit or miss all year. So it's entirely possible that a decent July and the Pirates could be right back in the wild card chase. Anyway, one of the things I think is interesting is that the Chicago Cubs started this season like a house of fire. And everyone thought, hey, look at this. The Cubs are going to be like the 1984 Tigers. It's going to be this side or the other thing. I fell right in that trap as well. Well, the Cubs are not only not going to have a historic season where they win 110 games or something like that. But right now, they don't even have the most wins in the major leagues. The most wins in the major leagues are currently owned by the Texas Rangers and the San Francisco Giants. Now, I'll get into the Texas Rangers later this week because I think they're a very interesting team because they're the closest thing we have to a juggernaut in the American League at this point as they've opened up an eight-and-a-half game lead on uh, Houston and Seattle for the American League West and look like they're absolutely going to run away with it and could very well be the team to beat in the American League. But let's talk about the other team that right now that has the most wins in baseball. That is not the Chicago Cubs. They have 51 wins. The San Francisco Giants. Remember them? I picked them to win the World Series at the beginning of the year. And right now, 
that does not look like a bad pick. When you consider some of the injuries that the San Francisco Giants have had right now, they are the, I mean, the, the fact that they have Matt Duffy on the disabled list, they have Joe Panic on the disabled list, they have Hunter Pence on the disabled list, they have even Tomlinson uh, coming off the bench on the disabled list, Kane's on the DL, uh, Sergio Romo's on the DL, Chris Heston, who they were banking on a lot, is on the DL. I mean, this team, <clears throat> excuse me, is apps has absolutely been hammered with injuries. And the bullpen has been an absolute travesty for the last bunch of weeks to the point where some people can't believe that the Giants were outbid for the services of Fernando Rodney, who wound up going to the Miami Marlins. Well, you take a look, and despite all these injuries, the Giants have gone on this, you know, they've been solid pretty much all year. And when you take a look at the fact that the, their low watermark um, they were three games under 500 in April, and they had kind of a rough stretch where they they fell to under 500 in mid-May. I bet you forgot that. In mid-May, they were under 500, looked like they were underachieving, and at that point they had fallen behind the Diamondbacks. And the only thing keeping the Giants afloat was the fact that the Dodgers and that the entire team was hovering around 500. I bet you forgot that. Remember when the whole division was so rotten that only four games separated first from uh, first from last? And everyone was thinking, oh, man, this could be the kind of year where the Diamondbacks or maybe the Rockies could go on a run and win a cheap division. Well, since then, the Giants are the best team in baseball. Since then, the Giants have gone 35 and 14. Since then, the Giants have picked up the National League West, tucked it under their arm, and started running. In that same stretch, the Cubs are barely over 500. Since mid-May, by far, the best team in the National League has been the San Francisco Giants. The only team that is the only two teams that have come close to the Giants in that stretch have been the Rangers and the Cleveland Indians. So they've played an unbelievable stretch from May to June, now June to July. For a two-month stretch, they've been unbelievable and have basically taken control over the National League West. They have a great record in one-run games. They're twenty and ten in run, one-run games. They've had. They've had, um, in games where it's decided by five runs or more, they've won 14 out of 20 of those games. They have just won, they've won close games, they've won blowouts, they've won with pitching, they've won by blowing out the other team, and it's clear that this team, especially with Clayton Kershaw about to go on the disabled list, this team is going to be playing in October. It's an even year. The Giants are going to get back in it, and the reason I picked them is you pick against Bruce Bochy in October. But here's where the Giants are in a truly unique position. They're in a position where they know they're going to go to October. They know it. And they know that the top of the rotation of Johnny Cueto and Madison Bumgarner, uh, I pick them top of the rotation over any team in baseball. Yes, the Cubs. Yes, the Nationals. Yes, the Mets. Give me Cueto. Give me Bumgarner at the top of the rotation. One and two. Smarsta, 
has been the pitcher you thought he was going to be. He's an innings eater. He does fine. Jake Peavy has been up and down. He's not had a very good year. Suarez and and there's been all sorts of like, what are we going to do? And so, look, they probably could use another starting pitcher. But, because they were really hoping to get something out of Matt Cain. But when you take a look at this team, when you know this team's going to go to the postseason, you can actually start to build the roster for the postseason. You could start to fill the holes based not upon what could we do to hold off the Dodgers. Here's what you do. You see Clayton Kershaw go on the disabled list. That's what you do. You know, I mean, I'm sorry. The Dodgers do have some talented players on their team, and they probably will finish above 500, but they're five games behind San Francisco now, and they're going to remove Clayton Kershaw from their roster. I don't see them making up those five games anytime soon. So what the Giants need to do is they need to do a couple of things. First of all, they need to, what I would do first and foremost, is I would really take a look at their prospects that they have right now. Whether it's Ty Block, the uh, pitcher for the uh, Sacramento team, whether it's Austin Slater, who is uh, also in Sacramento, is having a de- he had a good year in double-A. No, doing okay in triple-A, but it's kind of can play several different positions. And he's, he's played in the outfield. He has experience in the infield. I would bring him up and say, what can you do? Can you be someone who can fill in here and fill in there? You know, Chris Stratton is another pitcher who, is, who has played in the major leagues. They brought him up for a little bit. I would keep him in the bullpen. But I would also take a look at their two best prospects, Christian Arroyo, who's having a very good year in double-A, and Tyler Beatty, who's having a solid year in double-A, I would bring them both up and say, look it, here's your chance. You know, asking Beatty, can you start? Can you be a reliever? You're asking Arroyo, who is their infielder of the future, can you fill in a few games for Joe Panic? Because remember, in the past, the Giants have filled in some of these holes from within. Joe Panic was the 19th second baseman that they dragged out in, uh, in 2014. He wound up being a big part of winning the world championship that year. Remember they had Dan Ugla for about an hour and a half? I would really say, who's our best prospects out there? And give them an opportunity to break in in the major leagues and break in with this core. You remember the core with the, the, the Yankees? This is the core with the Giants. Have them be able to break in with Posey, with Bumgarner, with Belt, with all the bunch of people who have been there since the 2010 with Bochi, and to say, okay, we have these super talented young players. We're going to bring them up slowly, or we can give them a taste of all of this. And maybe, just maybe, if you're not, you're not asking them to be a superstar for a whole season, maybe you can get a decent month before people know how to scout them or know what to do with them. Also, the Giants need to sort of go and find a major leaguer, a utility infielder, and an outfielder to just stand in the outfield and stand out there to give them a big leaguer while Pence and while Duffy and while Panic all, all get healthy at this point, just to give them an option. Now, my dad kept bringing it up, so what has happened to our bullpen? What has happened to our bullpen? Santiago Casilla has been awful, and I really think the Giants need to take a good long look at the tyranny of the save 
and realize that, do you know what? Maybe we should stop handing the ball to Santiago Casilla for every ninth inning. But, you know, the Corey Guerins of the world and the Javier Lopez's of the world and the Hunter Strickland of the world, they're just not getting the job done. George Contos got, it was pounded. He didn't let up a run, but everything off the bat was a laser beam. And I brought something up to my dad that a lot of times you see bullpens don't stick together for a long time because they flame out. The peak years of a reliever are really only a couple of years. And when you think Casilla's been there since 2010, Sergio Romo's been there since 2010, Javier Lopez has been there since 2010, if they make the playoffs, this is their fourth run together. That they've been together for all these seasons. Seven seasons all together. And that that's unheard of. So eventually, the law of averages, the Derek law of averages, catches up with them. The Giants are in a position, you can talk about even year this, even year that, they're in a position where they can truly build for an October run and know that they have the top-heavy parts for a great run. Posey's having a good year. Belt's having a good year. Crawford's having a good year. When Pagan is healthy, he's having a good year. Span's been fine. When Hunter Pence is healthy, he's great. When Panic is healthy, he's fine. So they have a solid lineup. They have a solid top of the rotation. So they have the easy parts. They need to just get the depth. And they have some of the depth already. But Bochy's a very smart manager, and he has to really understand that he took the ball out of the closer's hand in 2012 when Casilla was the main closer, he handed it to Romo. Did the exact opposite in 2014 when Romo couldn't handle it anymore, he handed it to Casilla. I think at this point he needs to hand it to somebody else. He needs to take a good long look whether or not Law, whether or not Suarez, or hey, how about this for an idea? Remember I brought up the idea of Tyler Beatty or Ty Block, one of their big prospects? Remember when the Angels handed the ball to Francisco Rodriguez in 2002? There wasn't a real scouting report on him, and he dominated. Remember when the Cardinals handed the ball to Adam Wainwright in 2006 when they needed a closer and no one had really seen him yet? What if they did something like that? And break in one of these young pitchers and have people, the first time they ever see him, be waving at him in October. I don't know. Bruce Boach is a very smart manager. And he now has a few months to figure out the bullpen. If he does that, and you have the experience of multiple championships on the players, the best manager in the game, and depth in the bullpen, seriously, this even-year thing may be real. Hey, let's see who owned baseball for the 3rd of July, 2016. Hey, my kids are back. So, let's see who won, who who owned baseball for the 3rd of July, 2016. Hey, Wilmer Flores is uh, set a Mets record of 6 hits, including 2 home runs, knocked in 4, and the the Mets absolutely throttled the Cubs. What was it, 14-3? to 3? Something great. It was a lot to die enough. Steven Strasburg 
pitched six and two-thirds no-hit innings before he was relieved, and the Nationals wound up winning that game 12-1 to over the Reds. Russell Martin reached base five times, home ring driving in five as the Blue Jays ambushed the Cleveland Indians 17-1, to and Jay Happ struck out 11 batters over seven innings, let him just one run, earned the 17-1 to victory for the Blue Jays. Half wobs. Uh, Chris Archer struck out 10 Tigers in five and two-thirds innings. UNL Escobar went four for five, two runs bad in, in the Angels lost to my Red Sox. And Yang, how do you pronounce Yang, Yang, Salarte? Yang Jervis, Yang Jervis, Yang Jervis Salarte went four for four with a home run, but the Padres lost six to three to the Yankees. If you're keeping score at home, Flores, Strasburg, Martin, and Hap got full wobs. Salarte, Escobar, and Archer got half wobs. Go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Have a wonderful 4th of July and don't blow your fingers off. From California again, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 4th of July. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.